tell you what, while you're opening the scripture to the book of Romans, I'll give you a moment to be seated. Amen. Lest I forget to have my mother-in-law testify. Amen. So you can go ahead and be seated for just a moment while she gets, gets a, a moment to get her mind together for just a second. I'll, I'll, I'll cover for you just for a moment while I'm seated. Amen. It's uh, always a privilege to have my in-laws down with us uh, from British Columbia. And uh, uh, it's, it's just nice having them in the house. And uh, I'm working all day and, and they're... they're chatting and having fun around but uh but so glad to have them it was good to hear my father-in-law preach on sunday and uh mom gets her her preaching in too just not usually behind the pulpit uh, but uh you know i love you mom i'm so glad to have have you guys down here you, are you ready instant in season and out of season <laughs> Amen. Amen. Praise God. I was thinking about talking about the generations tonight, but I'm not. Praise God. But uh, we're going to go ahead into the word of the Lord. We're going to go to the book of Romans. The book of Romans. This is Paul's writing to the Roman church. And this is not a gospel. This is not a book of history. This is an epistle. Anybody remember what the word epistle means? It means a letter, right? A letter. So Paul is writing a letter to the Roman church, the church that is in Rome. Amen. So Romans chapter 1, verse number 8. We'll read three verses uh, here in chapter 1. We'll skip from verse 8 over to verse 16. Amen. First... Paul says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. You all. Folks, look around the church. Be thankful for everybody in the church. <laughs> Praise God. Paul said, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Verse number 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, to also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Amen. 
Now, as you read through your Bible, I'm assuming you try or attempt to every year, uh, as you read through your Bible, the book of Leviticus uh, is a, a great place to kind of get some, some foundation uh, for not just for sleep, uh, but also for uh, the rest of Scripture, because in there you will find many of the, the ceremonial laws and the sacrificial laws and all of those things, and they may seem mundane, but they serve purpose, not just for those in that day of the day of Moses and for those that would follow, but, but also for those of us who are in this New Testament era. Amen. Because in the book of Leviticus, you begin to see what are called types and shadows. Types and shadows. Those are things that are, that are pointing the way to something else that is to come. And that thing that was to come is found in the New Testament, and that is Jesus Christ our Lord and what he has done for us. Somebody say amen. So, so Leviticus serves as a good introduction book to the book of Romans uh, as well as to uh, the book of Hebrews, but we're talking tonight about this book of Romans. The book of Romans uh, was written by the Apostle Paul. It's commonly thought that he wrote uh, the book, the epistle to the Romans from Corinth uh, during his three-month stay uh, there on his third missionary journey. It's thought that Paul at the time of writing had yet to have gone to Rome uh, and had not yet met the Christians to whom he was writing. The common thought is that the church in Rome was not started by an apostle but by Jews who had returned from Pentecost. You remember that at Pentecost there were devout Jews, men out of every nation under heaven that were there in celebration and recognition of the feast of Pentecost. And so when they left there, they went back home. Uh, we remember in Peter's writing, Peter wrote to the strangers scattered abroad. Uh, and that was not just for what was called the diaspora uh, because of persecution, but that was also because those were people that scattered when they went back home from Pentecost. So the, uh, by the time of his writing, apparently the church in Rome had grown both in size and obviously in reputation, for we read in that first verse, verse number 8, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. It's presumed that because of this, Paul writes covering a variety of the elements of Christian doctrine, and in this writing, he deals with sin, justification by faith, righteousness, grace, the law, and holiness. But primarily, what we find him discussing is uh, communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody say the gospel. But he's not presenting to the church the way that they now need to be saved. He's addressing them as the saints of God. Okay, there's a difference. You would write a letter to somebody who needs to be saved in a different manner than somebody who is already saved and they just need help continuing in the walk. Right? Right? And that's what Paul is doing. In fact, if you 
uh, as one, one person I heard year, years ago said, that if you, if you read through your scripture and you get to the book of Romans and you're, and you're not saved yet, if you haven't been uh, repented of your sins, been baptized in Jesus' name and received the Holy Ghost, then you're reading somebody else's mail. And here in the United States, as well as Canada, it is a federal offense. <laughs> so you're reading somebody else's mail. And we don't want to do that. So, so he is communicating the understanding of what they have experienced and what they have practiced and bringing uniformity of doctrine between them and the rest of the churches. Everybody understand that? And what is going to bring that uniformity is going to be the foundation of the gospel. So what we're going to talk about tonight for a little bit is the fork in the road. The fork in the road. Now I know that that is not the fork that you're expecting on the screen, but that's just my sense of humor, so please bear with me. We understand the fork in the road is, is usually referring to choosing of a direction. You come to a, a fork in the road, you can go to the right or you can go to the left. Or if you're dyslexic, you can go to the right or you can go to the left. Amen. Just please bear with, bear with me. Was it Cheeky Wednesday? Amen. So the fork in the road. So, so let's talk about this. So in... Uh, we're going to spend pretty much all of our time tonight, with the exception of maybe this first scripture, but we're going to spend all of our time in the book of Romans tonight. So when, we, when Paul is talking about the gospel, because that is primarily what he's communicating in the book of Romans, what is the gospel that he is talking about? We have to make sure we define that, that we understand what that is. Uh, because what we're doing tonight is, is not just presenting... Uh, uh, what Paul is talking about, but we're also going to be delving into a little bit of what's called apologetics. Anybody remember what apologetics are? What's apologetics? It's a defense of the gospel. Okay, so being able to present, as, as Paul said at one point, uh, giving an answer for the hope that is in you. Right? So, so a, a little bit tonight, we'll, we'll be delving a little bit into that. But let's talk about, we have to understand that what the gospel that Paul is presenting is defined as. What does he define it as? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 1. Now there's more to this context, but, but this is where it gets summed up. Okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you, what? The gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Verse 3, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. So, so here he's getting ready to explain. He says, I, I've given to you what I myself have received. Okay? That's, that's, that's what he's saying. This is what came to me. This is how I was saved. And this is what you need to do to be saved. Okay? 
How that, first, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And that He was buried. And that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So you will see this theme throughout the book of Romans as well as throughout Paul's writings. And you will see the foundations having been laid from the beginning of Scripture. So Paul is writing, he's, he's communicating the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Is everybody with me? That's, that's the foundation. That's the gospel that he's received, and that's the gospel that he's presenting. Okay? So Paul writes, and we already read it as our text, he writes and says that, that this, uh, he says, I'm ready, verse 15 of Romans chapter 1, as much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first, also to the Greek. So this gospel is the power of God for our salvation. Anybody want to be saved? Okay, so, so, so the gospel becomes the, the, the foundation that by which we are saved. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, then we have to understand something more about the gospel. Because it's not just something to preach about. It doesn't just give great points to, to make as you lead someone to the Lord. No, it is power. There's power there in the gospel. Amen. It's not, but power is not power unless you have a way to apply that power. I thank God for electricity, but if it's, if we just have electricity, but we don't ever do anything with it, what good is it? So what do we do with electricity? We turn the lights on. Praise God. I thank God for lights. We're not using candles and all that stuff. I thank God that we can come to church and have sound equipment and, and speakers and all this stuff. Amen. We can enhance the singer's voices. Just kidding. Cheeky Wednesday. Cheeky Wednesday. Bear with me. Just having fun. You know I love our singers and musicians. I better, I better apologize after church, shouldn't I? <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be singing by myself from here on out <laughs> you don't like it you can do it <laughs> amen so power is not power unless there's a way to apply it, unless you can turn on the switch so if if the gospel is the power of god unto salvation there's got to be a way to turn on the switch there's got to be a way to apply that power. Amen. And the only way to do that is to take the preaching of the gospel and apply it to your life. You hear me? You've got to take the preaching of the gospel and apply it to your life. Romans chapter 6, verse 17. I told you we're spending all of our time in Romans tonight. 
Romans 6, verse 17. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin. But notice what he says. But you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. What's the key word there? Obeyed. You've turned the switch on. You've taken the power of God unto salvation and you've applied it. You've obeyed it. Romans 10, 16. He says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who has believed our report. So obedience and faith are required to flip the switch to access the power that comes through the gospel. In other words, the gospel is instruction. It's provided the way and the means, but you've got to walk it. You've got to walk it. It's not just news. That's, that's what we usually proclaim it as. It's the good news. But what do you do with the good news? There's got to be something to do with the good news. Amen. Now, this is where we start to come to the fork in the road. Is that there is a direction that you've got to choose. Because there are... Uh, there is what is called through, through uh, much of, of, I'm going to say Christianity, there's through much of, of denominational churches and whatnot, this thing called the Roman Road. Anybody ever heard of the Roman Road? Okay. The Roman Road is, is presented through uh, much of denominational churches, charismatic, independent uh, Christianity. And it, it is their attempt to lead people to Christ. And I can appreciate... The, the, the desire of somebody to share the gospel, to share the good news. But we're going to look at this Roman road, and then we're going to look at, at the other potential direction of the fork in the road. Okay? So those that, that, that try to walk this Roman road, they do rightly declare that although many people believe they will... Uh, that they're... Um, that they will go to heaven because they've lived a good life or, or done charity work and been baptized as a child, attended church or treat others fairly. The Bible declares that none of us can live up to God's standards of righteousness. That's correct. Therefore, we need a road. A road to God that doesn't rely on anything we do, but rather relies on the gift of His grace alone. Okay? This really came to mind again because... Uh, uh, somebody that I'm, I'm uh, I'll, say, I'll say friends with, uh, uh, acquaintances with uh, through uh, YouTube channels and whatnot, uh, is his, he presented, he's a minister of a, some other church, and, and he presented uh, this Roman road on his channel. And, and I'm just screaming inside. <laughs> because, because, it's getting put out there, and, and unfortunately, in all of their desire to help people, to share good news, it's leaving people, and we're going to see this in just a moment, it's leaving people on the wrong path. This is where they begin to go wrong. We see, or we will see that they, they have to say, and, and what the Roman road looks like, it, it may surprise you at how close they are, 
but I pray that it will disturb us at how short they are. For the issue is not that they are close to the truth of the gospel, but how short it leaves somebody from biblical salvation. Everybody with me? Close is only good in two things. Horseshoes and hand grenades. It doesn't work for salvation. So they say, follow this map, this Roman road. So we must acknowledge this is, this is their Roman road. So go with me down the Roman road and we'll have a look at it, okay? Everybody ready? So Romans chapter 1, verse 20. So, so they, are, they are acknowledging God as the creator of everything, accepting our humble position in God's created order and purpose. That's good. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. So we've just begun our journey down the Roman road. The second step in this journey down the Roman road is that we have to realize that we are sinners and that we need forgiveness, that none of us are worthy of God's standards. So, so we've started out, the first step was understanding who God is, that he's the one who's in, in power and in control, and we humbly submit ourselves to him. But the second step is that we recognize we're sinners. We need forgiveness. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all, everybody say all. That's you, me, and the person across the aisle from you. Okay? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we have to recognize that we are sinners in need of forgiveness. Okay, the third step down this Roman road is God gave us a way to forgive our sins. He showed us his love by giving us the potential for life through the death of Jesus Christ. Okay, Romans chapter 5 verse 8. This is why it's the Roman road, is because you're just flipping a page or two each time. Romans chapter 5 verse 8, but God commendeth, that means he showed God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Praise God. I thank the Lord for it. So we've, we've taken three steps now. God is in control. He, he is the, the king of all kings. We are sinners in need of forgiveness and that there is a way been provided for this, the, the forgiveness of those sins. Now, if we uh, remain sinners, we will die. But if we repent of our sins, as they say, and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, we will have eternal life. The scripture is Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This Roman road sounds great. And it's not that it's wrong. These, these statements are right. He is God. I am a sinner. I do need forgiveness. 
He, he did make a way for my forgiveness. And I can't continue in my sin. But then they, this is where they start to go off. The next step in this Roman road is they uh, talk about confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you're saved. Okay, that's where the Roman road starts to go off in the wrong direction. And it's not because, it's not because the scripture is wrong, as we're going to see. It's because there's more to the context. This is where we start getting into apologetics. Okay, Romans chapter 10, verse number 9. Remember, you're reading somebody else's mail with this. If somebody, if a person is not saved, this book does not belong to them yet. Make sense? Romans chapter 10, verse 9. This is where the Roman road continues. If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That sounds pretty straightforward. That I've just got to believe in my heart and confess with my mouth and I'll be saved. That's, that's what it sounds like, isn't it? I, I, I'm not going to stop here yet, okay? But that's what it sounds like. Is everybody, everybody with me? Make sure we're on the same page, so to speak. Because we can't just take a couple of scriptures and build a doctrine out of it. We've got to take into, uh, the, into uh, consideration the context and the surrounding scriptures around those verses. Because if you just take those two verses, then you, you are absolutely right. But if you continue reading the rest of what Paul says, it does not stop there. So let's go back. We're going to go back one verse to Romans 10, verse 8. And then we're going to read, bear with me, it's a lengthy portion of Scripture, but we've got to look at all of it. Because we're going to let the Scripture interpret the Scripture. Everybody understand? So you're not getting this pastor's opinion. You're getting Paul's opinion as he wrote the Scripture, being moved by the Holy Ghost. Romans chapter 10, verse 8. But what saith it, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. Remember, he's talking to people who are already saved. The word is in you. The word of faith that we're preaching. Got that? Then he goes into, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I'm going to pause right there for just a moment before we continue on. When someone takes you down the Roman road, they stop there at that verse, and they say that that's all you need to do to be saved, it's the grace of God that's going to save you. Anything else is works. Let me just point out real quick 
that if you confess with your mouth, you're already doing works. Because God knows your heart. He knows your thoughts. We don't even need to say anything. So, so if you're confessing with your mouth, you're already doing a work. So let's, I just want to set that in place there. Okay, so he continues on. For the scripture says, Whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. There is part of the context. Because in their day, if you were confessing Jesus Christ, you were willing to die for your belief. Okay? Verse number 12. For there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14. Remember, Paul's talking about the gospel throughout this book. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. You see that? So it's not just speaking the name of Jesus and you're going to be saved. There is obedience to the gospel. So now you've got confession, that's a work. And now you've got obedience, that's a work. This is in the same chapter. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. There are no other religious formulas or rituals. Just call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. That's what they say. They say then to determine in your heart to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life today. Romans eleven thirty six, For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. And you have just gone down the Roman road and you are saved. But you're missing what Paul said. You've got to obey the gospel. You, they, were, they were right up until just stopping because that's the problem. Is that it's not that they were wrong. is that they stopped short. They stopped short. Because that belief that confession is going to cause more action in you, more response. It's going to cause you to want to flip the switch to the power so that you can have access. Folks, the reason we're talking about this tonight is that you need to understand this is what the world is hearing. Your friends, your family, your coworkers. It's not that they're completely wrong. It's that there aren't, they aren't completely right. Salvation is not, cannot be a game and, uh, with the, the doctrines and the commands and the instructions of the Word of God. They're not able to be compromised. So, 
Let's go back to the fork in the road. Let's see what Paul has to say in context. So let's not just go down the Roman road. Let's go down the way that the Lord has given us, the way more clearly. So we're going to talk about this, this New Testament salvation. Again, we can go through all sorts of Scripture, all the way back into the Old Testament from the beginning, and we can see all sorts of examples about the gospel and how to apply the gospel. But, but for the sake of our, our discussion tonight, for the sake of our apologetic, we're going to simply stick in the Roman uh, letter. We're simply going to stay there and use Paul's words. Okay? Now, I will say that, that under the new covenant, Jesus commanded his believers to be born again. Okay? That was in John chapter 3. He said, you've got to be born of water and of spirit. Everybody with me? We're saved by faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ and are required to be obedient to the gospel. Saving faith means that both we accept the gospel and obey the gospel. Receiving it and applying it. Amen? Folks, I can't tell you as a supervisor in my job how frustrating it is because I can see what my employees are doing on their computers and I can hear them. I can listen to them because even though we work from home, I get to see their computers and I get to hear them talking. And I'm giving them instruction because they needed some help. They're going to potentially get something wrong. So I give them some instruction to help them and they're not listening to me. I can see them doing something else. I can hear them saying something else. It's frustrating. How do you think God feels? He's given us a full book. Not just Romans. 66 that compiled the book that we call the Bible. And so, we must receive and apply the gospel. So to obey the gospel, Peter preached it at Pentecost. He presented the good news. And then he told them how to apply the gospel. Remember Peter's sermon? He preached about Jesus and him crucified. The same Jesus that you crucified is both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, those people on that day, they were pricked in their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? So they heard the good news, and Peter's response was not just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that the Lord is Christ, and you'll be saved. No. We'll talk about that in a minute. What am I speaking of? Speaking of my employees, one is calling me right now. <laughs> So Peter presented the good news, told them how to apply and be obedient, and we obey the gospel, as Peter said, by repentance. That's our death. Remember, that's the gospel, death, burial, and resurrection. So by repentance, we die. By water baptism, immersion in water in the name of Jesus Christ, that's our burial, and receiving the Holy Ghost, which is our new life in Christ. That is the application of God's grace. Those three steps are not human works. Do you hear me? Those three steps are not human works. 
That's not how we earn salvation, but rather that is divine work by God in our lives. So the gospel applied and obeyed in Romans. This is the fork in the road. So let's look at these three things. I, I, I promise you I won't be that, that long. So repentance. We're talking about the gospel. Death, burial, resurrection. Repentance is the death. Baptism in Jesus' name is the burial. And the infilling of the Holy Ghost, amen, is the resurrection. So repentance, turning from sin to God. It's the first step in our faith. It's necessary for salvation. It's the change of our mind and the change of our direction. But it also needs to change our affections. You hear me? Lot's wife, she was heading in the right direction. But her affections were still back there. So we've got to change our mind, our direction, and our affections. Okay? Um, so Romans chapter 6, verse 6. We're, this is where we're going back into Paul's writing. Knowing this, that our old man, our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Let's go back to verse number 1 of the same chapter. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Praise God. Let's go forward a few verses to verse 11. Likewise, reckon or think of yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves, servants to obey, his servants you are, to whom you obey, whether unto sin of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. If they're looking at Paul's words to provide the Roman road, Paul is talking about living. In other words, works works of righteousness if you're if you're yielding yourself as servants unto life you're doing some works in that okay everybody with me all right so that's repentance so that's our death crucified with him amen
I'm, I'm going to interrupt you. Does this, this have to do with, <laughs> with uh, being crucified with the Lord? <laughs> okay. So, so when we talk about when we talk about our old man, the old way of living, the old life, that needs to be crucified with Christ, and we do that through repentance, not just once. But Paul said, "I die daily." So that is part of our our, our obedience to the gospel, because we get something special in that. We don't just hear the gospel as far as the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord, but our obedience to the gospel is partaking of it, of doing that thing, of dying to sin, of being buried with Him. And let's talk about that now. Water baptism is part of our salvation. It not only expresses our faith in God by obedience to His Word, but it specifically calls on and confesses faith in Jesus as our Savior, it is done by immersion, and as such, it signifies more than just washing and cleansing of water. Paul, in Romans 6, verse 3, he likens it to a burial. Verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him, how? by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father even so we also should walk in newness of life for if we've been planted planted means put into the ground okay that's what you do with a dead body right if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death we shall also be in the likeness praise God of his resurrection amen so even here in Romans 6, verse 3 and 4, we find that they're calling on the name of Jesus, but they're baptized into Christ, and they were buried with Him. Now, calling on the name of Jesus expresses our faith in His identity, His atoning work, His power, and His authority. That's why when we're, Paul tells us elsewhere that when we're baptized into Christ, we put on Christ. Okay? We're talking about obeying the gospel. Death, burial, and resurrection. We die to sin and repentance. We're buried with him in baptism. Unfortunately, it looks a lot like a casket. Don't let that scare you. Jesus is waiting. <laughs> Praise God. But the baptism or infilling of the Holy Ghost is also part of the gospel. And Paul addresses that as well. Romans chapter 8, verse number 1. This is a, a fairly lengthy portion of Scripture, but I feel it's necessary. Now, we'll tell you that this is where we start to wrap things up. So, just giving you some hope. So, Romans chapter 8, verse number 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. 
For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. That's why it's so important that we die in repentance. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is at enmity against God. For it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Here's where we start to see the, this, this turning. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be, notice this, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man, folks, if you've gone down the Roman road, you stop short of this. Because Paul continues on here. He says, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. At no point does Paul tell you that when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you are filled with the Holy Ghost. At no point does he say that you receive his Spirit. So Paul says here, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you're none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, folks, words matter. If his spirit dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that does what? Dwells in you. When does His Spirit dwell in you if you accept Him as your Savior? If you just accept Him as your Savior. When does His Spirit dwell in you? Never? Well, they, some will say that it does. But the question I would then ask, how do you know? How do you know? We know that from, from the, the Scripture in the book of Acts throughout the book of Acts, that whenever they received the Holy Ghost, there was a, a visible or audible evidence. And when I say visible, you could see people speaking in tongues. And you could hear them. Peter, Peter had to defend Cornelius getting the Holy Ghost because he was a Gentile. He said, hey, he received the Holy Ghost just like we did. Can we deny him? <laughs> so so they, they have an understanding because, again, Paul is writing to the church, people who are already saved. They've already received the Holy Ghost. They know what it's like to have Christ dwelling in them. Verse number 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For you, if you live after the flesh, you shall die but if you, through the Spirit, 
do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. How do we do that? We don't have power in ourselves. But through obeying the gospel, receiving the Holy Ghost, brings us power. That's what Jesus told his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Amen. Uh, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And he continues on and says, the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if we're children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Praise God. Folks, there is a fork in the road. And you can help somebody when you talk to them about Christ, if they, if they tell you that they've gone down the Roman road, that they're saved, show them the fork in the road. Show them the same Paul who led you down that road has further for you to go. There's, there's a way more clearly. Don't stop short. And we have to get ourselves beyond thinking that repentance, us coming to a place of prayer, or us going uh, into a, 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 a baptistry or out into the, into the water and getting baptized, are works of the flesh. That that's something that we're doing. Folks, we're simply obedient. Obedience is not your works. Obedience is your faith. We're saved by grace through faith. Faith is going to cause us to act on the good news that we've received. And when we act on that good news, it's God's grace that forgives us in repentance. It's God's grace that washes away our sins in baptism. It's God's grace that gives you power when you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Those are acts of God, not of man. Let's stand together tonight. So I go back to Paul's words in Romans 1. Verse 15, So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone. Say, to everyone. To everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. There's a fork in the road, and I pray that first of all, everybody in here follow that, that way more clearly. That you don't get stuck short on the Roman road. 
Amen. But continue to follow and obey the gospel. Uh, and you... telling scripture, you start looking at all of it, it just gets more gooder and gooder and gooder. Praise God. Lord, thank you tonight for your goodness. I pray, Lord, for everyone in this place tonight, that if there's anybody that has not obeyed the gospel fully, you would move on their hearts, that you would stir them, Lord, to that place, Lord, that place of repentance, that place of baptism in your name, that place, Lord, of, of the miraculous filling of your spirit. I pray, God, that you would help each of us, Lord, as we continue to walk with you, God, as your children, as your spirit within us, that you would continue to lead and guide us into your truth, that you would help us, God, to take the power that you have given to us and apply that power in our lives and our living to, to those that are around us, willing to preach and willing to, to reach and willing to love. For we have received so very And I pray, God, help us to give, to surrender to you. In Jesus' name I pray tonight. We give you praise and glory. Amen. God bless you tonight. Dismissed in Jesus' name.